And that to me is the dope paradigm shifting piece of this entire situation. And that to me is amazing to see. So remember, don't sign your rights away. Don't sign away your ownership. Don't sign away your IP. Bet on yourself, keep all that stuff, and accept less money for services like distribution and marketing, et cetera, et cetera. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 174 of the show. And in this episode, I'm going to speak about Dave Chappelle, goats doing goat shit, some podcast news, including Joe Budden's new role at Patreon, and some investing that Mark Cuban is doing in the podcasting space. I'm also going to speak about UFC 257, and Super Bowl 55. Stick around to get into all that good stuff with me. But before we jump in, here is a very quick way that you can help support this show. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon, Kofi, and PayPal donation pages. Patreon and Kofi allow you to make recurring donations per episode, and you even get some bonus content for doing so. PayPal allows you to make a one-time donation to the show dave motherfucking chappelle in a segment i like to call goats doing goat shit dave chappelle the stand-up comedian is arguably the best comic working today and even arguably one of the best comics of all time he's definitely up there on my mount rushmore and i just want to make sure that as creatives we all give this man his flowers for pulling off something amazing, pulling off something that, although everybody recognizes as amazing, is, in my opinion, paradigm shifting. Ripples of him taking this action, which I'm about to break down in a bit, will be seen and recognized for years and years and years to come. Not for all, and maybe not even for most, but generally speaking, the way creatives do business with these large multi-million dollar conglomerate corporations can be different, should be viewed differently. There are alternatives to signing your life away and all of your rights and your name and your likeness and your IP. And as true as it is in the, you know, like TV, film, entertainment space, it's true within the music space and like signing to a major label, signing away your ownership, your masters, your IP for a quote unquote substantial advance. It's the same within the indie writing space with signing away your ownership, your IP, to a book, to a story you've written, to a major publisher, etc. There are alternatives. So what am I talking about? All right. So for those of you unfamiliar, Dave Chappelle, together with fellow stand-up comedian Neil Brennan and writer Neil Brennan, co-created the iconic sketch comedy show known as The Chappelle Show. Now, other sketch comedy shows existed, obviously, before and since, notably... Like SNL is like one of those like legacy comedy shows that although content wise, you know, it's kind of like hit or miss, but it's just been on the air forever. Um, You have more or other shows rather that had less of a run, like uh, probably like a four or five year run with like Mad TV or In Living Color. 
to help birth the careers of folks like uh, Jim Carrey or a lot of the Wayans because it was uh, created, I believe, by Keenan. Then you have Matt TV that had folks come out of there like Bobby Lee and Brian Callen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Chappelle Show was a sketch comedy show that only lasted two seasons. But pound for pound, up against any other sketch comedy show, including SNL, including Your Living Color, including Mad TV, is widely regarded within comedy circles as the best sketch comedy show ever. Now, you might fall on either side of that belief, and that's fine, obviously. What I will say is the Clayton Bigsby sketch, which if you haven't seen it, I'm going to link to it in the episode notes for you to check it out. But it is by far the funniest, illest, cleverest, best comedy sketch ever in history, period. That's my opinion. And that's from The Chappelle Show. And the reason this show stopped was because Dave Chappelle literally walked away from it. You know, you can look up several interviews uh, with him detailing after he came back, you know, why he went away in the first place. And a lot of folks, you know, wrote him off as crazy. You might know the story that, you know, he left $50 million on the table that was that was offered to him, not attached, along with his ownership and, and licensing, by the way. That's very important. Walked away from that $50 million deal and went to, went to Africa and people said, you know, he's crazy, lost, lost his mind. Who would do that? And I'll tell you who. Goats do that. Integrity does that. Folks that know what's right and what's wrong do that. Money isn't a factor in those situations. Shouldn't be a factor in those situations. And he's made it back in spades since. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So he walks away from the show, citing you know creative differences and you know the fact that he didn't have ownership to 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 the show because he did sign one of these, in my opinion, unscrupulous contracts that exist again in the book publishing industry, television industry, music industry, all across the board. It's corporations doing corporation shit. As I've said before on this show, it is the mandate of a corporation to increase shareholder returns quarter after quarter, period. Can't even blame them for it. It's the structure. It's how they're set up. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they are programmed and literally are supposed to do. So they lock folks into contracts that literally write, a, write off their rights to something that they themselves created, their name, their likeness, in perpetuity, meaning forever. Shout out to Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, which ingrained that that term in my mind. But they'll have verbiage like that within contracts and say things like throughout the universe, literally. Like we own, it's like my, my book Fractal. If I signed one of these contracts to one of the big five book publishers like Penguin Random House or HarperCollins, Simon Schuster, et cetera, because they waived like a big, you know, half a million dollars or a million dollars, you know, upfront advance or whatever. And I got gassed off that and then signed a contract for the book. In that contract standard would be we, you know, insert name of top five publishing house, own the rights and likenesses book in perpetuity throughout the entire universe. And they'll even get sneaker on like the book publishing side of contracts. And I'm sure there's their versions of within like the music industry and and television and film etc but in book publishing contracts they'll have things like oh no no no, you own the rights to to your book that's fine but 
we own the rights to the audiobook version forever or separately we own the rights to the digital applications and the rights to to your book in those spaces like kindle and ibooks etc so you really got to be weary about shit like that and focus not on the money being offered to you although that comes into play but as a in my opinion secondary thing focus on the retention of rights being offered to you or in essence that you're offering to them because you own the rights as of now right before signing any contract so if anything you're offering them pieces of that or licensing that to them in an ideal situation and this by the way is coming from someone who has not been offered a book deal who knows when the time comes i might sign my rights away along with the rights to my two kids or some shit like that now let me stop all right (laughs) in all seriousness though Dave Chappelle signed one of these contracts where he signed his rights away to his show that he created. And he did so in his 20s, you know, not knowing what a lot of this verbiage within the the contract meant. And it's a common story, right? You know, and folks around him tell him, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good contract. Sign it. You know, it'll be good for you and you're going to get X amount of dollars. And it's a common story that we hear time and time again, right? Most uh, prevalently, I believe, like within the music industry, where, you know, we hear about an artist that gets like a million dollar signing advance or bonus. And, you know, they're like, woohoo, I'm a millionaire. And then, you know, fast forward a couple months and they're broke or they owe money because they don't break down that that million. All right. For 400,000 of it taxes. So you're left with 600,000. It's not really a million. Then your manager, which gets 20 percent, got 200,000. So that's 600,000. It's really 400000 Then, you know, the cost for production and for shooting music videos and stuff like this all comes from your advance because that's your product that they're paying for, right? They're not paying for that for you. That's coming out of your advance. So from that quote-unquote million dollars, you're really left with a couple hundred grand. And, you know, you bought a car, you bought a house and stuff like that. Now you owe money. And again, that all ties into what's in these contracts, and how folks sign away their ownership. So Dave Chappelle, in a piece that he put out called Unforgiven, breaks this down, breaks down the situation. And it's a, it's a small piece. I'll link to it in the episode notes. It's like 12 or 14 minutes long, something like that. He breaks this all down. So you guys can check that out. And, you know, he's been good since, you know, he came back after his hiatus over, of over a decade, was like almost immediately recognized as the GOAT when he came back, didn't miss a step in terms of stand-up comedy, got a... I think $60 million deal with Netflix to put out a few specials. And then the Chappelle show starts coming back and it's put on Netflix. It's sold by uh, or licensed by Comedy Central to Netflix, HBO. And again, they own it. They own that show due to the contract that Dave Chappelle himself signed. So they're just doing what they do. They're making money off of a piece of intellectual property that they own as unscrupulously as it is for them to in the way that they obtain the show and the rights to it they're doing what is technically in their rights to do legally so let's leave morality to the side for a second we'll come back to that in a bit what dave Chappelle did in this piece unforgiven ask his fans asks the folks that were streaming the Chappelle show on all these platforms to stop doing so to boycott it because of the uncouth business practices that resulted in Comedy Central owning something that he and Neil Brennan created and are not seeing a dime from. And you know what happened? Folks listened. 
people stopped fucking with the show. And as explained in the second piece that he put out called Redemption Song, which is about 10 minutes long, and I'll also link to it in the episode notes for you guys to check it out. He explains the aftermath of that ask. So he asks folks to stop streaming the show, explains to them why, people oblige. And he also had a conversation with Ted Sarandos, which is the co-CEO and the CCO of Netflix, which is where he has his current comedy deal for stand-up comedy specials. And Ted Sarandos, to his credit, agreed to remove the show from Netflix's platform. Now, in my opinion, 100% opinion, there's no fact behind this, but this is just my speculation and opinion, is Ted Sarandos some sort of hero for, for doing so? Probably not. It was a good, admirable thing. Um, I'm sure it wasn't just his decision alone. Again, you know, CEOs and CCOs are balanced out by a board of directors, and different folks have different levels of say depending on their share ownership and their voting rights, etc. And I'm sure that part of the math of making that decision was taking into account the power that they saw Dave Chappelle has with his audience and the fact that he has an ongoing deal with Netflix. So let's keep our one of our top guys happy type of thing. But nonetheless, it was an admirable thing for Netflix as a company to decide to do. Now, the most shocking thing, and I think this individual would deserve more credit, is uh, Chris McCarthy, an executive over at CBS Viacom, the parent company of Comedy Central, who's the president of the Entertainment and Youth Brands Division of Viacom, agreed to give Dave Chappelle his likeness back, his name back, his license back, his ownership for his creation back. I personally haven't heard of uh, Chris McCarthy uh, prior to this event, but according to folks like Charlemagne, whose voice within the space I respect and has worked with uh, Chris McCarthy in the past, says that he has a track record of airing on the side of the creative. And that, to me, is the dope paradigm-shifting piece of this entire situation. And that, to me, is amazing to see. So remember, don't sign your rights away. Don't sign away your ownership. Don't sign away your IP. Bet on yourself. Keep all that stuff and accept less money for services like distribution and marketing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, an example of that 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 really brings this point home for me is the dude that did the voice of Simba in the original Lion King movie. And not even the regular voice, the singing voice. So... Like Simba from the original Lion King had, you know, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas who did the voice of the young Simba before he grew up. Then after he grew up, it was some other guy did the voice, which was actually the guy, Steve from, what was it, Family, the show with Michelle and uh, uh, Full House. Steve, which was the boyfriend of DJ in Full House, he did the voice of Simba when Simba was older. And he also did the voice of Aladdin, if I'm not mistaken. The voice, the singing voice of Simba was played by, I forget his name, but he was the older brother of TJ from the show Smart Guy. Did you guys follow all that? (laughs) That web of fucking historic TGIF sitcom stars? (laughs) 
anyway, my point is this. He 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 said in an interview, in a Vlad TV interview, if I'm not mistaken, that you know he was a kid. He you know didn't know much, but you know his mom at the time, you know when they were going on auditions and stuff and trying to get gigs, um, he and his mom were offered for that role of Simba for the the singing part. I think it was something like two million dollars outright, or two hundred thousand dollars, and points on the movie like back end points if the movie does good you make more and it's like a, a royalty deal it's like a forever royalty thing so you get much less up front two hundred thousand versus two million but you have that royalty deal attached his mother had the foresight of thinking wait a second this is a like a disney property you know disney's a company that's been around forever they always have these you know 10 year anniversaries of bambi and 25 year and 50 year anniversary and they you know rehash it all the time you know if this goes which it did if it blows up those points are going to be worth a lot more than even the two million that are being offered up front which was the case and you know he didn't disclose how much in the interview but he said they've made way more than the two million dollar offer initially up front and that could go both ways right you know if the movie flopped never made anything he made 200 grand instead of two million that he could have made me personally again Either keep the ownership, keep the royalty deals, keep the points, renegotiate anything that has to do with you giving up ownership, you giving up creative control, you giving up IP to a deal with lesser money, but retention of full rights. That's just my opinion. And again, take that with a grain of salt because again, it's coming from a guy who has not been offered any major deals, no book deals from the big five publishers, not even from an imprint. No exclusive Spotify deals for this podcast. <laughs> no major movie deal or TV show deal for any of the stories that I've written. Nothing. But that would be my intent if the opportunity arose. That would definitely be my game plan. Anyway, hats off to Dave Chappelle. Goats doing goat shit. Podcast news. Alrighty, so Joe Budden on episode 412 of the Joe Budden podcast announced that he is now the head of creative equity at Patreon, which not for nothing sounds like a made up title, <laughs> but it's not. I assure you it's a legit title. It's dope to hear that, especially for, you know, someone who is always on the side of creatives to a fault, it seems at times, and to his detriment. And he's now in a position to possibly enact some change to make things better for creatives on a very big platform that Patreon is. For those of you that don't know, Patreon is a tech platform by which, which is big in the podcasting space and just creative space in general, but it's definitely big with, with podcasters where fans can donate X amount of dollars per show. Patreon takes a very small fee of whatever that donation is whether it's a dollar a month or two dollars a month or five dollars a month it's like cents on the dollar and the rest goes directly to the creative so it's a way for you to help support creatives a lot of podcasters use it myself included if you'd like to support this show on patreon go to sponsor.com forward slash support and click on my patreon link or go to patreon.com forward slash spun today and what happens is that the creatives give the supporters bonus content. It can be a lot of like these bigger podcasters do like an extra show every week 
just on Patreon only. Some folks do an extra show every month just on Patreon only. Uh, other folks give never before read stories or writing pieces, which I offer on certain tiers of, of my uh, Patreon page. Or you get like a signed book or some merch or a bookmark, you know, stuff like that. And it's a cool way that you can help support creatives directly. And some podcasts are huge. Some podcasts are Patreon-only podcasts, but you can't get them anywhere else. Um, and some podcasts just have like a huge following and contingency. Contingency, is that the right word? I don't think so. Or just like a huge following on Patreon. For example, the Flagrant 2 podcast, co-hosted by Andrew Schultz and Akash Singh, is very big on Patreon. And what's cool with Patreon is that they disclose how many people are donating and how, how much those donations add up to. It's like public. If you check out their their show, The Flagrant 2, uh, Patreon, their donations are up to like something like $93,000, $95,000 per month. So they're making over a million dollars a year on Patreon from donations of fans just like you. So my Patreon donors, or lack thereof, listening to this right now, should definitely go to patreon.com forward slash spun today and bump me up and get me closer to that $93,000 a month donation threshold. I'd appreciate it. No, but seriously, it's, um, and you know what's interesting? The, like the back and forth creative podcast beef, who's doing more for, for, uh, creators that I referenced a few episodes ago was between like Joe Budden, Andrew Schultz, Charlemagne, when he launched the Black Effect Network in partnership with iHeart, et cetera. So it's gonna be interesting to see with Flagrant 2, which is co-hosted by Andrew Schultz, having such a large, I think it's like the top five comedy podcast Patreon in the world, just Patreon-wise. So I don't know. I just found that interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But also with Joe's role over at Patreon, it's not like he defined it or or explained exactly what he's going to be doing. Hopefully we'll gain some more insight on that in time. I'm not sure what the role entails, but definitely can't wait to see what comes out of it, what comes from it, how it evolves. And Patreon, as I understand from an article that I read, also gave him equity in the company for taking on this role, which is dope. Shout out to Joe Budden. Definitely keep doing your thing. In other podcast news, Mark Cuban, the billionaire's billionaire, the biggest shark in Shark Tank, stated in a recent article with The Verge that he predicts podcasts and live streaming will become a lot bigger and much more popular. In that vein, he is co-founding Fireside with Phelan Fatemi. Fatemi, probably mispronouncing that, my apologies. Which will allow, which is an application that will allow hosts to talk to fans via live stream, monetize those conversations, and the users can record those conversations. I don't know if folks are familiar with the with the application Clubhouse. It's like an invite only popular public uh, application now that I personally haven't used, but I read a description stating, you know, imagine, imagine going into like a fun house, a clubhouse, and there's a bunch of different rooms. And in each room, there's, you know, different things going on. In this application, you go into different rooms and there's, you know, different live conversations going on. So you can set up like a private room with your friends and just have a discussion or or whatever, you know. And they recently got a billion with a B 
dollar valuation based on a hundred million dollar seed round. I believe those numbers are accurate. But long story short, these this fireside application is kind of like a mix between that and podcasting. And it's what Mark Cuban is investing in. Definitely shout out to Mark Cuban for doing so and for believing in the podcast space. He's he fucks with podcasts. I've heard him on podcasts in the past, most notably and most recently on EYL, Earn Your Leisure, which I've referenced here on the podcast multiple times. Shout out to Rashad and Troy, who have an amazing platform over there. They have folks from many different walks of life, many different business backgrounds on their show. They've had Chef Kelvin on, and they break down the business of being a chef, literally from how do you price a burger at the price that's on the menu, how does that break down, and breaking down the cost of lettuce and the, of us of a full tomato, and then how many slices within the tomato, and the type of meat that you get, and then the margins usually charged on top of food, etc. Like they do those types of breakdowns, and really get into the nuts and bolts of different types of businesses that you you may have not even considered as a business. Maybe like you know it's a business, but you never really gave it thought. Like they've had someone on that has like a vending machine route. He owns a bunch of uh, vending machines, like, you know, those like those quarter machines that, that you put in and get candy from. And folks that do drop shipping using Alibaba into Amazon, you know, multimillionaire real estate moguls, entertainment moguls like Dame Dash has been on. And they recently had Mark Cuban on, which is what I was getting to. <laughs> and what was dope is that they have a specific uh, stock show, Market Mondays, where they pretty much speak and and teach about stocks again without all the you know buttoned up unnecessary in my opinion verbose financial language and i just use the term verbose to describe ironically the same language that i'm saying i appreciate them not using but you get what i mean right all this confusing unnecessary speak if you will this legalese if you will and while they had Mark on the normal podcast, which is more like a, you know, a interview, they kind of like as an aside invited him to the Market Mondays show. And they said, oh, yeah, you should definitely do it. We do, a, you know, the stock show on, on Mondays. Uh, you should do it one day. And I think like the very next Monday, a couple of days later, he was on it, which is dope. You know, a testament to Mark Cuban. And again, shout out to the guys over at, at EYL. So Mark Cuban definitely fucks with podcasts and I appreciate someone like that at that level investing within the podcast space. So definitely look out for that. The application again is called Fireside and I will link to a couple of the articles referencing this in the episode notes. UFC 257 headlined by Poirier versus McGregor 2, the second time they fight. And the co-main event was Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. Now, let's start there. All four of these gentlemen are in the extremely stacked, lightweight division in the UFC. And by extremely stacked, I mean pound for pound, the toughest of any division within the UFC, probably in history. Like anyone in the top five, six, maybe even seven could be champion like tough 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 division the toughest division in the entire sport of mixed martial arts let alone ufc michael chandler was a champion in another league bellator and bellator similar to one fc and other mma leagues that are not ufc are considered the b leagues quote unquote 
you know, folks that were in the UFC wind up going to these other leagues, usually when they're kind of sort of past their prime or if they get cut from the UFC. And it's definitely not to say that, you know, everyone from the UFC is better than everyone from Bellator or 1FC, etc. Because it's definitely not the case. You have some dope fighters that are within those other organizations that just never went to the UFC. But Michael Chandler was one of these guys. He was a champion within Bellator. And he actually moved over to UFC. And he was making his debut in the light heavyweight division. Sorry, lightweight division. And as his opponent, drew Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker said himself out of... You know, all the guys that he could have faced, he was hoping it wasn't Dan Hooker for his debut because Dan Hooker is has the style that normally does well against Michael Chandler. You know, he's, he's tall, lanky, has a lot of reach. Dan Hooker is like more of like a, a shorter, compact, you know, power striker. But that's who we got. And then in the first round, in the best UFC debut ever, that's what the cool kids are calling it, Michael Chandler knocked out Dan Hooker, got a TKO KO victory in the very first round. Then in the main event, in the much-anticipated return of Conor McGregor, because it's been a minute, his last fight was against Cowboy Cerrone, which lasted, I think, like 40 seconds and was like a year ago, against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. This is their second time going at it. The first time around, Conor knocked out Poirier, and many folks expected something along the same lines. Dustin's obviously no slouch. He's at the very top of the division. I think he's ranked number one, maybe number two, but I'm pretty sure number one before this fight with Khabib, who has since retired, being the champion. And McGregor looked good in the first round. You know, he traded with Dustin. He looked poised. He looked sharp. He looked accurate. But Dustin was eating his shots. And in the second round, McGregor got clipped, got caught, and got TKO KO'd in the second round. Definitely hats off to Dustin Poirier for doing his thing. You know, once he gets someone up against the the cage, he just throws like a flurry of punches, a barrage of punches. I think my, Michael Chandler actually referenced that as well in his conversation with Brendan Schaub on Food Truck Diaries. And it's so true. If you look at Dustin's finishes, it's usually somebody against the cage that he's boxed up and then just throws like a street fighter level barrage of punches. Now, after this, you know, a lot of pundits and, and folks online were saying, is Connor done? Is he the same? Is he just rusty? Was it ring rust? You know, because he hasn't fought in a year or two. Is he losing it? Is he past his prime? Does he Is he too rich to fight? You know, a guy's worth over like $100 million, not just from the fight with Floyd Mayweather where he made bank in boxing, but his proper 12 whiskey is gaining a lot of market share, doing very well sponsoring boxing events and UFC events. And he's doing really well in that space. He has clothing line investments, et cetera, et cetera. He has two kids with a third on the way. So does he still have that same like fire, that same like want to fight? And I don't know. Who knows? Nobody's in, in Condor said. One thing I would say is that, you know, because a lot of people are saying that even before this fight, before the cowboy fight, before the fight before that, you know, why is he fighting anymore? He has so much money. And it's like some people truly do love doing what they do. Like it's not for the money after a certain point. Like why did, why does LeBron still play basketball? Why did Kobe, why did Jordan? Like that can't be the only drive, right? Well, at least for, for some folks, like it's the passion for the sport. It's the competition, 
But who knows? These are all questions that only Connor can answer. Everybody else is just speculating, myself included. It would suck, though. It's like uh, like the end of an era, like what we saw with Ronda Rousey. You know, a couple fights past her prime. And, you know, every fighter that fights for too long, this eventually happens. So they start losing fights, don't look the same anymore, lose a, a bit of that, like, luster that they had. You know, the Anderson Silvas, Ronda Rousey's, Leota Machida's, everybody. And it sucks to see every single time. If that's the case, I hope not. For, you know, just selfish reasons of, you know, appreciating, like, the fight weeks leading up to, like, a Conor event and all the hoopla and stuff like that. Which has obviously died down with, with COVID and, and spectacle-wise. And also, there wasn't, like, any, like, negativity or animosity uh, between Poirier and McGregor. Which is, like, a lot of the fuel in a lot of his other fights. Maybe that has something to do with it. Who knows? But still, none of that should take away from the fact that Poirier did his thing. He's definitely at the top of the heap. It's it's going to be interesting to see how the top of the division shakes out now. With McGregor having loss, could be being retired, and apparently not coming back. Poirier at the top of the division. Dan Hooker just lost. Michael Chandler just came into the UFC and has a spectacular win. Justin Gaethje has to be part of the conversation. Oliveira as well. Tony Ferguson, I think should be, but folks aren't mentioning him. I'm not sure why. Maybe I missed something on him. But yeah, besides those two matches, uh, it was a fairly uneventful card from my perspective. But that's what I got for you folks on UFC 257. Super Bowl 55. Talk about goats doing goat shit. Tom Brady is the absolute motherfucking goat. When it comes to football quarterbacks, of course. When it comes to football players, most likely. When it comes to sports in general, who is the winningest winner goat in all sports? You got to put up there the Michael Jordans, Kobe's, in my opinion, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Serena Williams, the Floyd Mayweather's, the Tiger Woods. Tom Brady might be at the top of that list. Think about that. And this is coming, by the way, from a Jets fan who is still admitting that. He leaves the Patriots, which he has won six championships with already. You know, he's 43 years old. Patriots probably wanted him to leave. You know, I know in the past they tried to, like, trade him or something like that. Bill Belichick's a dumbass. He always took, like, pay cuts to make sure that, you know, they could get better players or better play paid players around them. But eventually, like we were speaking about, big corporations do what big corporations do, big entities big companies it's all about the bottom line it's all about the long term fuck the guy that defined this franchise for an entire generation let's not let him sunset his career here as the lakers did with kobe by the way shout out to the lakers it's why these like older players you know dope players like Shaq or anyone at the end of their careers they start bouncing around between different teams it's for that reason the team that has them wants to make some money off of them and start playing for the future Instead of doing what's right. In certain cases, you should. In this case, Patriots should have. Anyway, Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay's first season as a quarterback in Tampa Bay. Brand new team. Wins the motherfucking Super Bowl at 43 years old. Super Bowl number seven. The most Super Bowls, not only of any player, but Tom Brady, the person, the quarterback, 
has more Super Bowl rings than any other team, any other franchise in the entire NFL. Let that marinate for a second. Rob Gronkowski, which retired, came out of retirement to sign with Tampa Bay to play with him one more time. And they scored the first touchdown of the fucking Super Bowl. Brady to Gronk. How dope is that? How apropos, how fuck you to the Patriots is that? Counting the goat out because he's 43 years old. Get the fuck out of here. The Patriots, which didn't even make the playoffs. With Bill Belichick's bum coaching ass. Speaking of coaches, the oldest coach in the NFL is Bruce Arians. The coach of Tampa Bay at 68 years old. Brady got him his first championship. You fucking kidding me? Of course he's the GOAT. And the last thing I'll leave you with is this. Bill Belichick's record as a head coach in his career. He has won an amazing 187 regular season games. His team's record is 136 wins and only 39 losses. However, in the games where Brady was not playing, Bill Belichick's record is 51 wins and 65 losses. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. And now that my dick riding of Tom Brady is over, the last thing I'll say about Super Bowl 55 that was memorable for me was the best commercial during the Super Bowl. For those of you that don't know, there's so many eyeballs on the Super Bowl, tens of millions of people watching it, that it is one of the most expensive pieces of TV real estate to purchase a Super Bowl commercial. Companies pay millions of dollars for a 15 or 30 second spot. By far, in my opinion, the best commercial, and it's not even close because the, the rest aren't even memorable to me. Maybe if I like would rewatch or something, that I'd be like, oh yeah, that one was good. But the one that stood out and that I still remember, and in my opinion, was by far the best Super Bowl commercial was the Michael B. Jordan Alexa commercial. And of course, I just said Alexa and mine beeped. It was funny and a little like sexy, risque kind of. And it was uh, a lady was, you know, thought the Alexa concept was brilliant. But if it came in a different form, it would be even better. And then she just envisioned it in the form of Michael B. Jordan. And then they played out the rest of the commercial with her asking Alexa things that she would normally ask, like add this to my shopping list or, you know, what's the weather, etc. And Michael B. Jordan would just be there like responding to her in a very suggestive Michael B. Jordan way. And her husband will be there like, hey, what are you doing? Don't talk to her like that. <laughs> and it was just funny. She she would she would be like in the tub with flowers and candles around and say, you know, Alexa, read me my audiobook. And then Michael B. Jordan will just be in the tub with her and reading out loud a romance novel. And yeah, I just thought it was clever and, and funny and whatever. Anyway, that was my favorite commercial. And that is all I got for you folks for Super Bowl 55. And that is also all I got for you folks for episode 174 of the Spun Today podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Don't forget what I said about Patreon. Go check out my Patreon page. Get some free shit and some additional content if you so choose to support this show in that way. Definitely join my newsletter at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. And stay tuned to listen for a few other ways you can help support this show if you so choose. Peace.
Hey folks, Tony here. If you're enjoying the show, do me a favor. Rate and review it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to help out the show in other ways, I'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts to do so. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash support. That's where you'll find a ton of different ways to help support this show, such as shopping on Amazon. If you do any shopping on Amazon, like most of the world, I ask that you do so by clicking on any of the Amazon banners on my website. This will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Speaking of Amazon, they fulfill a bunch of the merch that I have available. If you go to spuntray.com forward slash support, you're gonna find a brand new merch section where you'll find the iconic Podcasts vs. Anybody super soft premium cotton t-shirt. You'll also find the legendary Spun Today Podcast tee, which is in the style of the New York City plastic thank you bags logo. For my fellow Dominicans out there, I have a dope Dominican Escudo t-shirt. You know where the Lacoste or Polo shirts have their little logo? Picture that, but instead a Dominican Escudo. All available now in a variety of different colors for men and women in all sizes. In the Spun Today merch section, which again is at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find a bunch of other t-shirt designs, long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts, color changing coffee mugs, and much, much more. Check out all the merch at spuntoday.com forward slash support. All of my short stories can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. The free writing pieces that I read, share, and review during the free writing session episodes of this show can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. There you can read all the pieces that made the podcast as well as tons and tons of others. My books are available in any digital format of your choice, whether it's Kindle, Apple's iBooks, Kobo, you name it. They're also available in paperback. You can check them out at spuntoday.com forward slash books. My debut novel, Fractal, is a sci-fi time travel story of a group of righteous travelers that attempt to right the wrongs of the injustices of the past. My nonfiction, Make Way For You, is a collection of tips for getting out of your own way. So if you need some motivation, inspiration, and a good old-fashioned kick in the ass, that'll be the read for you. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books or search for those titles on Amazon. Another great and free way that you can help support this show is by subscribing to my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. You'll get a photo, podcast, video, quote, and word of the week every single Monday at noon. What else do you have to look forward to on a Monday? Plus, you'll be the first to know whenever I publish a new book. And if for whatever reason you choose to, you can unsubscribe at any time. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon, Ko-fi, and PayPal donation pages. Patreon and Ko-fi allow you to make recurring donations per episode, and you even get some bonus content for doing so. PayPal allows you to make a one-time donation to the show. 
for my fellow writers and creatives out there, a really cool way for you to be featured on this show is to respond to my five-question Spun Today questionnaire. I'll read your responses on a future episode of the show and share them with the Spun Today community. Think about it. If your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? To do so, go to spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spun Today on both those platforms. Check out and like the Spun Today Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the Spun Today YouTube page. Just search for Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on my website. There you'll not only get the full versions of this podcast, but you'll also get bonus content like shortened episode clips and much, much more. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.